Feast of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. everyone, and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones uh, here discussing issues related to worship, theology, and culture. Today I'm going to be talking about the scope of Romans 13. Um, discussions of Romans 13 have arisen significantly uh, considering the vast manifestation of ex- executive orders that have been offered during the prevalence of COVID-19. And you may have noticed that uh, various governors, local authorities have issued different types of executive orders, even our president. Um, and I would dare suggest that Romans 13, along with a few other passages and verses of Scripture, is one of the most misused Scriptures in the entire biblical canon. Submission to authorities is vital to godliness, but the scope of Romans 13 is perhaps not what many understand. Uh, In the time when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, government was corrupt and even persecuted and killed Christians. Paul, however, instructs believers to submit or to be subject to the governing authorities. The Greek word for be subject in this passage is hupotasso, which literally means to place or rank under. Uh, this, This term implies an intentional effort. It's similar to what Paul commands believers in Philippians 2. And to have the same mind as Christ Jesus, uh, namely a mind of humility, considering others better than yourself in Philippians 2.5. Um, these instructions don't mean that someone is less than another person, but the Christians are to act as if that is the case, as Jesus did in his earthly ministry. What I mean by that is I know many people who are thousands of times smarter than I am, um, but are godly, humble men and women who do not act like it. And they certainly could and probably would uh, have every right to do so, um, but they don't act like it. Uh, That's humility. Jesus emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, and there's no greater example of humility that can be found except that of Jesus Christ. And to be subject to the authorities then is to consider the governing bodies God ordained to be higher in rank. Um, and so understanding that being subject to the authorities is an, is an explicit instruction given to God's people, Romans 13 needs to be interpreted. And Paul's instructions, um, are, are Paul's instructions part of a blanket command to blindly obey governing authorities or is the scope much narrower? And so to answer this question, there are four primary elements I think to consider And I'm going to examine these elements here and then determine the scope of Romans 13. So, um, number one, Romans 13 needs to be considered on an individual basis rather than over the church. He begins his instructions in Romans 13 with, let every person. In other words, uh, the Apostle Paul is directing individuals rather than a group of people. Now, certainly this is written to the Romans, but in this particular instance... He is directing individuals. Christians, individuals, are called to be subject to the governing authorities, but even Romans 13 is seemingly directed towards individuals rather than the church as a whole. Um, John MacArthur recently contended, and you may be aware of 
what's going on in, in Dr. MacArthur's church, um, that he is civilly disobeying the governor and meeting together for corporate worship under uh, against the governor's orders. And he recently contended that the Bible nowhere grants the government authority over the church. In fact, the three institutions presented in the Bible are the government, the family, and the church. And in Scripture, they seem to be separate from one another so that one does not control the other. When a government or an executive issues a decree or order, individuals should comply, assuming it's not unethical, it's not immoral, or against the commands of God. Um, and by the way, on that, um, it's my personal opinion uh, here that, that many of the broad sp- uh, sweeping executive orders issued during the global ca- uh, pandemic we're facing are against the commands of God. Uh, for example, churches neglecting to meet together for worship. Uh, but employing these orders uh, and, and carrying these orders out is the responsibility of individuals to comply rather than the church. And so when considering the scope of Romans 13, someone's hermeneutic needs to include the fact that the portion of Paul's letter here is addressed specifically to individuals in the church rather than the entire body. A church's civil disobedience, a church as a a whole, the local church, uh, their civil disobedience in times of injustice is right. And determining when is a matter of seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. You may think that injustice is always black and white, but it's not. There are certain situations, and I'll get into this in a little bit. Um, there are certain situations that are um, that call for civil disobedience for injustice, but injustice might not seem like injustice to some, although it is. So uh, that's the first element here: is that uh, Romans thirteen needs to be interpreted on an individual basis rather than over the church. The second element is that Romans thirteen assumes just laws. Um, In the scope of Romans 13, Paul obviously contends for a government that executes justice, but someone might question what should be done in the case of unjust laws. Certainly, degrees of unjust laws exist, but Romans 13 is not an overarching grant for the government to decree anything they desire, nor is it a requirement for Christians to blindly abide by such laws of injustice. I openly admit that the the line between just and unjust laws can be blurry and interpretive at best, and in most cl- most cases it is clear, but there are ter- there are times when people need to determine for themselves what constitutes a just or an unjust law, and furthermore, pick which issues upon which to act. You may have heard me say this or someone else say this, pick your battles. Uh, I am a supervisor at a large distribution center. I supervise many teammates and... Um, there are times when I have to pick my battles. Uh, sometimes it's not worth it, and sometimes it is. Uh, a recent example of what I'm talking about is uh, the closure of public worship gatherings in local churches by many state and municipal governments. And believe it or not, there are Christians that say that, yeah, this needs to happen. And I hold to the position that, no, this does not need to happen for various reasons. And make an informed decision, certainly, but I think this is an unjust decree. Christians hold the responsibility to determine whether this decree is, or a decree like it, is just or unjust. And so 
edicts which violate the commands of God should be considered unjust and offer believers the opportunity to stand and fight for the cause of the Lord. I tend to err on the side of freedom when determining what is just and unjust. And there are there are blatantly obvious uh, in injustices, for uh, for example, a uh, murder, racism, uh, things like that. Yes, those are blatantly obvious. But there are also issues which are not so clear. For example, forsaking the assembling for public worship, wearing masks, to use recent examples. Are these just or unjust? Uh, the U.S. Constitution was constructed with individual liberty in mind, and an individual liberty based upon the liberty God gives us. And so it's based with Judeo-Christian principles at its foundation. So my personal criteria for justice then leans toward decrees that do not violate individual liberty, not only those that include slightly inconvenient practices. In other words, to suggest that inconvenience does not constitute a violation of individual liberty is false. Because a loss, the loss of freedom occurs slowly rather than rapidly. And there are people who do not see this as a big deal. Oh, well, it's just a slight inconvenience. So it's not an unjust law. <laughs> and I tend to err on the side of individual liberty saying, how far will they take it? And yes, this is an unjust law. It doesn't matter if it's slightly inconvenient or not. It is unjust because it violates your individual liberty. And, and again, some of this is interpretive. <laughs> there are people can have varying opinions on this. I'm stating mine right here and right now. So while many people in modern society, including professing Christians, might suggest futility in the practice of civil disobedience by the church, it's good and right to stand for the causes of the Lord and even to cause divisiveness between the church and society on these issues. We need to remember that we... We spend too much time trying to be relevant. Never in the New Testament was the church relevant. In fact, they were so irrelevant that they were killed and martyred for the name of Christ. Believers need to remember that the call to holiness or being set apart, in other words, that, that's, that's our call is to be different. And so a catering to society on issues which violate the commands of God is not only unnecessary, but wrong. And under just laws, Romans 13 commands Christians to be subject to the governing authorities. And so remember, Paul lived in a time, Paul was eventually beheaded under the reign of Nero. And he knew this, that there was injustice. And he's saying, be subject to the authorities Yet he was not saying to blindly obey if it violates the commands of God. So under unjust laws, Christians have the responsibility to defy orders and to civilly disobey because governing authorities hold no power except from God himself, Romans 13.1. So that's the second element here is that Romans 13 assumes just laws. Uh, the third element is that hermeneutics must be mindful of cultural differences. Uh, cultural differences between modern Western society and the society of Romans 13 should be considered because in the scope uh, of Paul's letter, not only is the era vastly different, but also the type of government which the Apostle Paul refers to is different. The, US, the United States, for example, is a republic, which was non-existent in the time of Romans 13. 
And so Paul's idea of government in the chat in this chapter centers around a federal style government, whereas the United States ideas include federal, state, and municipal. And the concept of municipal police is absent from Romans 13. In biblical Roman society, the government's role includes execution of the law rather than a mere enforcement of the law. And an example of this is, is when a police officer stops a driver for speeding. Uh, I used to have a heavy foot. Well, I still kind of have a heavy foot when I drive. Uh, and I've been pulled over. I admittedly, I will tell you, I, I've been pulled over several times. When an officer stops me or anybody else for speeding, that officer often makes a decision to issue a citation. The citation, however, is not the execution of the law, but the enforcement. The execution of the law comes in the judgment. Whether the judge writes it off and says, you don't have to pay it, or you do. You, you, this is your, your uh, punishment. While many use Romans 13 to justify police actions, the concept of local, state, or national police does not exist in Romans 13. And modern police roles are limited to enforcement rather than the execution of sentencing requirements. This is not to say that Romans 13 may not be applied to police. It should, however, be considered in the scope of the chapter. The people to whom Paul writes abided in a vastly disparate culture and society. So, Governing authorities held a greater ability to execute justice. In other words, their role was one of execution rather than mere enforcement. And this is, again, not to say that it doesn't apply to our modern Western American society. It certainly does. Uh, but we need to be mindful of these cultural differences when we're interpreting Romans 13. The final element here is that degrees of the law apply. A common usage of Romans 13 is that of applying it to every instance of breaking the law. Speeding, for example, as I just mentioned. It's a common hypothetical situation discussed when referring to Romans 13. The idea is usually that if one speeds, he or she is sinning because they are, in fact, breaking the law of the land. Varying degrees of law should be considered when examining the scope of Romans 13. And there exists, there is in the Bible, a threefold division of the law. And, and, and so that's the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law. This is why someone might ask you, why is homosexuality wrong? But yet wearing mixed fabrics is no longer wrong. And here's my response to that. Number one, we need to consider the threefold division of the law, the moral, ceremonial, and the civil law. Um, moreover, these things that still exist, let's say, let's take not just homosexuality, let's take murder, for example. That's certainly mentioned in the Old Testament. Why is murder still wrong? These are things that go blatantly against the character of God, which is transcendent through time. Okay, so civil law, ceremonial law, uh, number one, it's not that these were necessarily wrong, although sometimes in Jewish culture they took it a little too far and made too many rules, um, but they are not part of God's character, which is transcendent through time. So eating shellfish, for example, this has nothing to do with the character of God. And so that would be my response on that. But we need to remember Jewish culture would rightly consider breaking any part of this threefold division of the law sinful in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, breaking the law is breaking the law no matter which part is broken. 
Um, now, I argue that Christ came to fulfill the law rather than abolish it, Matthew 5, 17. So the law, okay, hear me on this, the law no longer applies, but obedience to the law continues in that Christians from an overflow of holiness conform to God's transcendent character rather than a set of rules, okay? We are not bound by the law, but as a manifestation of God's character, we continue to abide by his character, and which, in my opinion, would be the moral law. Okay, so we might wonder why Old Testament laws don't seem to p- apply in a modern society, and that threefold division of the law is an excellent explanation. God's moral law is certainly transcendent through time because it is related to his character, whereas the ceremonial and civil laws might change over time depending on the circumstances. So laws hold varying degrees, okay? What I mean by that is God's moral law is surely the most vital and and non-negotiable. So breaking a civil law, okay? We're talking about civil laws here because we're talking about Romans 13. Breaking a civil law should not be considered inherently evil as is breaking the moral law. It's certainly possible and it's common for a civil law to have nothing to do with godliness. This is not to say that civil laws are always unjust, although many are. But there are vast differences in breaking God's moral law and a man-made civil law. And so in relation specifically to speeding, for example, that's the example I brought up, I suggest that speeding is not evil as murder is, although the two are often equated when using Romans 13 to justify corrupt governmental authority actions. Disobedience, especially to the civil law, does not negate subjection to authority, okay? So this is this is the second part of my argument here. Just because someone speeds, they that does not mean they are not subject to authority. Because even when someone breaks the law, he or she is still subject to authority and may face the consequences of disobedience. So when determining the scope of Romans 13, the degree of the law must be considered. So what do we have here? We have the moral law, God's moral law, that is transcendent through time. We have civil law, often man-made laws. And so I'm not on board with saying that the two are equal. I never will be. Well, I say I never will be. Somebody could change my mind, perhaps. But I haven't been in a long time. And so someone can't can't convince me that oh Jonathan you speed and therefore you have committed some uh, sin equal to murder. <laughs> no, I, I I don't buy it, and I never will. Um, again, if you can convince me, then great. Hey, I, I, more power to you. I, I don't see myself changing my mind on that, but ma- maybe you can convince me. But here's my conclusion. To use Romans 13 as a blanket argument for blindly honoring the request of the state is both lazy and it's idolatry. Christians need to be mindful of Romans 13 and heed the instruction of the apostle, the instructions of the apostle Paul. But to use the chapter as a blanket argument for blindly honoring the request of the government and its authorities is both lazy and it's idolatry. And to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, according to Micah 6, 8, is to honor God first and then honor governmental authorities within the parameters of justice. And so the United uh, United States, we recently had our celebration of Independence Day just about a month ago. And many churches chose to display nationalistic items, flags and that sort of thing, and center their supposed 
services of worship around July 4th. Many are offended by those who refuse to pledge allegiance to the American flag. I don't believe that uh, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag in itself is, um, is wrong, uh, nor that, that celebrating the American, uh, American freedom is wrong. But early Christians would be baffled and likely angry at the thought that Western Christians would dare bow or give allegiance to the state, especially in the context of Christian worship. And rightfully so. It drives me crazy to see that. We need to be careful that patriotism does not become severe nationalism and therefore idolatry. Romans 13 certainly applies to modern life. Its scope, nevertheless, should be considered before using it as a blanket passage to support injustice. And so we, we live in an interesting culture. We have so much going on right now that uh, uh, we, we need to be careful that we err on the side of grace and mercy and on the side of God, of honoring God first and foremost above all, that we do not bow to the state, that, that the state is not an idol, and that we do not securely tie or link government or, or nationalism to Christianity. And so when you're considering the scope of Romans 13, we need to realize that God's rule and reign comes first because his rule and reign is eternal. Man-made government rule and reign is not. Governments, kings, powers will one day fall and kneel before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so in, even in the scope of Romans 13, we need to realize that no governmental authority has that authority except by God's authority. And so let us honor God first. Let us be good citizens. But uh, when times of challenges arise and we need to civilly disobey, let us do so with boldness and with bravery and with the realization that with God on our side, we can't fail. Even in death, we can't fail. So thank you today for listening to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.